You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. We are celebrating uh, Christmas in July, in case you didn't notice. Uh, we are unwrapping and unpacking the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, throughout this month. And I want to do a really quick review for you. I know that a lot of us have been traveling over the summer and throughout the series. So um, I, I want to hit just some of the foundational things that we shared on the very first Sunday that we did this series. And if you want to hear more elaboration on these points that I'm going to hit really quickly, uh, go back to the July 3rd podcast. And uh, you, can, you can hear that there. But first of all, spiritual gifts. What are they? Spiritual gifts, they are Holy Spirit distributed tools. And I want to emphasize that idea of tools for doing the ministry of Jesus. Uh, the Holy Spirit gives them as he sees fit for a particular time, for a particular situation. These are not innate talents or giftings or abilities that, that people are born with. These are spiritual gifts that God just deems to, to place in our hand. They don't belong to us, uh, but as he leads, uh, we, he's looking for people whose hearts and hands are open to be used uh, to minister his love and his goodness and his kindness to people. Now, spiritual gifts are for every follower of Jesus. Uh, no exclusions, no exceptions. Spiritual gifts are for mature Christians, for immature Christians, for strong Christians, for weak Christians, old Christians, uh, young Christians, all Christians. They are not uh, exclusive to some spiritually elite uh, group of people, whatever that might look like. Um, they are for everyone as the Holy Spirit uh, chooses to give uh, and impart these gifts in a particular situation for a particular person. Uh, spiritual gifts are gifts from God. They are not merit badges. They are not rewards or awards. Um, uh, they cannot be earned. We cannot deserve them. Uh, they are gifts that God entrusts to us for the benefit of others. They are used to serve others. Let me, let me give you the one of the foundational passages that we looked at uh, back earlier this month. It comes from 1 Corinthians. Paul talks a lot in this letter about spiritual gifts, and he says this in, verse in, in chapter 12, beginning in verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To, no, to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits, and to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. And one of the other points, and then we'll get into today's message, is that operating in spiritual gifts is very much a partnership with God that involves grace and it also involves faith. Uh, again, these gifts are totally unmerited. We don't deserve them. They're all expressions of God's grace, and they do require risk. Uh, 
As John Wimber used to say quite often, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And today we're going to focus on the gifts of healing. The gifts of healing. I'm really excited about what God's going to do in our midst as we look at his word, as we look at the model of Jesus, and then as we invite the Holy Spirit to come and do what he wants to do uh, among us. And he loves to heal uh, body, mind, and spirit. So Holy Spirit, as we have expressed already in our, in our worship, uh, and we'll continue to do, Lord, we welcome you to come, to come and just open our ears and our hearts to your word and to what you're wanting to do in our midst this morning. Thank you that you are for us and you're not against us. Thank you for all the ways that you show your love and your goodness. Thank you for the healing that we have experienced in this church. And thank you for the ministry of healing that you're calling every one of us to. Holy Spirit, come and do your good work. I just ask that you would just speak through me this morning. And Lord, that you'd speak to specific questions and specific concerns and doubts and fears that are present in each of our hearts this morning. Come, be honored, be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, when we read the Gospels, uh, we see lots and lots of example of, of healing. There's a whole lot of healing going on in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. A whole lot. Uh, everywhere Jesus went, he functioned as a healer. And, and for um, sort of the um, mathematicians, statisticians, engineer types among us, consider these numbers. Healing by the numbers. 41 distinctively uh, different instances of healing that are found in the Gospels. One-fifth of all the verses in uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are devoted to Jesus' healing ministry. And that, that certainly doesn't represent the total in terms of the 41 different healings. Uh, John talks about the fact that there were many other things that Jesus did when he was here on earth that weren't recorded. Uh, but out of 3,779 uh, 3, verses in the four Gospels, 727 relate specifically to the healing of physical and uh, mental illness or the resurrection of the dead, the ultimate expression of healing. And you may be thinking, you know, I, I, I read that and I see that, but I thought Jesus came to earth to save our souls. Why is there so much emphasis on physical healing? Now, I, I, here's my belief. Whether we were humans then at first century church or first century Palestine, or whether we're humans today, probably most of us are much more in touch with our physical brokenness than our spiritual brokenness, aren't we? I know it when I've stumped my toe, but sometimes it takes me a while to recognize that I've got anger issues going on in my heart. And I believe that that was the case with the, the folks then, and that's the case with folks today. A lot of times we're just not aware of uh, our, our emotional, spiritual brokenness, but boy, we know when we've got a headache, don't we? We know when we've got a headache. So Jesus, he, he comes and he brings healing. He, he wants to, to show the power, the love of God. Uh, and every time he heals someone, it actually leads to something else. Sometimes it's about uh, a spiritual recovery. Sometimes it is spiritual recovery for an entire family or an entire community. Jesus came not only to heal, to heal us physically, but also to heal us spiritually, to heal our hearts. And here's the bottom line. Jesus comes to bring healing to our bodies, our minds, our spirits. We all know that, that one area of brokenness affects another. How many of us have maybe dealt with a chronic illness 
and we know how it's affected us emotionally or relationally, financially, or maybe how it's affected us spiritually. Uh, we, we don't experience physical pain and disease in a, in a small compartment that doesn't affect our overall lives. Jesus was motivated to heal because he loved people and he hated the evil that bound them up, and particularly evil that was expressed in physical infirmities. Throughout the gospel, we read over and over where Jesus would see someone who was sick or was infirmed, and, and he, he would be moved with compassion, compassion that drove him to, to pray for them, and they were healed. And in John 10, 10, Jesus wanted to make it really clear to everybody, uh, to his disciples, his followers, the, the, the bottom line in terms of what he came to do and what the enemy comes to do. And he says this, the thief, Satan, our enemy, he comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that, that humanity, that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came so that we could experience wholeness for every every part of our lives, every aspect of our lives. And throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus speaking sternly to evil spirits to be quiet or to come out uh, of people who were oppressed or demonized. We see Jesus rebuking fevers and infirmities as the Holy Spirit uh, would lead him to do so. Uh, He was listening uh, to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was guiding him. He was only doing what the Father was doing. And Jesus healed people because he was opposed to anything that bound or enslaved people and prevented them from experiencing the freedom that he came to give. And he recognized that the forces of darkness were in some way connected with the sicknesses and diseases of human beings. And in imposing this, he was in essence showing his opposition to Satan and the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of this world And so you may be thinking, okay, Reese, I've read the Gospels that you're talking about. I've read the stories of Jesus bringing healing. That was Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God. That was cool that he was able to do that. But what does this have to do with me? Well, Jesus is God. He certainly is, but he came to earth and he laid aside his deity And everything that we read him doing in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he did through the power of the same Holy Spirit who is available to you and me today. The same Holy Spirit who wants to empower us to do the very same work that Jesus did that we read about in the Gospels, the same work that he is calling, uh, he called his disciples then to do, and he calls his disciples now to do. Uh, this is uh, possible through the same power of the Holy Spirit. It is not about me. It is not about you. It is not about our self-righteousness. It is only about the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and working through us. So out of obedience to Jesus' commands in Scripture, we are called to pray for the sick, and we pray for the sick in obedience to Scripture. Because Jesus is the same one who said, go and make disciples. We, we get that, right? Uh, we, we get that as the part of the Great Commission to go and make disciples. This same Jesus calls us to go and heal the sick. We don't get to pick and choose. We're, we're called to do all of it. 
We're called to do all of it. Let's look at Matthew 10. Uh, in Matthew 10, Jesus calls his 12 disciples. He gives them authority uh, to drive out impure spirits, to heal every sickness and disease. And, and he gave them these very, very clear instructions, his original disciples, and he gives them to us today. Matthew verse 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 7. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Vineyard Church of Augusta, this is our assignment. This is what God's called us to do. Uh, as part of, uh, of making disciples, as, as pointing, uh, discipling people into a relationship with Christ, this is a vital component of it. And this is what Jesus imparted to the original disciples, to us today. And this is a vital part uh, of, us, of us praying the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Now, John Wimber, many of you have heard me talk about John Wimber, the late uh, founding leader of the Vineyard Movement. He was greatly used by God uh, in equipping people throughout the body of Christ and in, in, in to function in spiritual gifts, particularly the gifts of healing. And Wimber would say, you know, I don't, I don't do healing services. I do equipping workshops. And, and I remember the very first time I ever heard of John Wimber or ever saw him. He, he actually came to uh, one of the chapels at Oral Roberts University when Mary Margaret and I were freshmen. Uh, he came in November of 1983. And uh, the 5,000 students there, he actually did a, a healing seminar uh, that he did the five-step prayer model, which we're going to go over a little later. And, and it was interesting. People would ask Wimber, seeing the effectiveness that he had in praying for the sick and leading and equipping others to do so, they said, well, obviously you must have had some incredible, miraculous experience early on in your life uh, to shape this and to form this. And he said, no, that wasn't the case. And they're like, well, why are you so engaged in healing ministry? He says, it's in the book. So I did it. I was simply obeying scripture because I believe that if Jesus said it and did it, then I should do it too. And that's the basis. That is, that is our basis. Wimber made the decision early on in his ministry to obey the commands of Jesus regarding healing the sick. And he didn't know whether or not, you know, there would be any results from that. Uh, he, he didn't know. He just knew that this is what God's word said. And for him to be obedient, he needed to do it. And I got to tell you, uh, at first, when he's introducing and teaching and preaching on healing, there were no results. He preached and taught every Sunday for over nine months. And he tell, would tell the story. He said, I mean, nobody got healed, uh, not even of a headache. In fact, some people got worse. I mean, that was, that was how dire it was. And he obviously was incredibly frustrated. People were leaving his church. They were angry at him for spending so much time on something that God was obviously not doing. And he was having a pity party with the Lord. And he said in the midst of his intense frustration that he sensed the Lord asking him this question. He said, do you want to teach my word or your experience? And John knew what the answer was that he was to be a, a preacher and uh, to proclaim and demonstrate the word of God and the results were left up to him. And that's the thing that we have to continually remind ourselves of, particularly those of us who are wired to be achievers 
and to be successful and to have everything in order that that success in the kingdom of God is not based on our so-called results. Success in the kingdom of God is based on our obedience. That's it. That's that's the bottom line. And so um, every follower of Jesus has been called to pray for the sick and to be receptive to gifts of healing. And I, and I want to bring someone up to share some, some examples and some uh, specific situations. Tim McCready. Tim uh, is a, a longtime leader in our congregation. Uh, he is also uh, a gastroenterologist uh, and a really, really good one at that. And so uh, I want to just ask Tim to come up. And Tim, as, as a physician, obviously you have an interest in healing, uh, and that is your vocation. But uh, how, how do you marry just the whole the spiritual mandate as a follower of Jesus? Well, a couple things seemed clear to me as I began to experience people's lives changing, and there have been several. First was that virtually everything I knew to do for them medically had been done. It all been done, and they weren't better. Two, I started having these feelings like seeing, like Jesus described, he saw people and had compassion for them. Um, and it's a feeling like the air gets sucked out of the room. In my experiences, in that moment, it's like, are you going to let them leave the office and not do something for them? And said, what do you have? Well, it comes down to, well, it's just the Holy Spirit. That's all I got left. So uh, you shared with me a, a, a while back a really cool story about someone who came to your office, a patient of yours, who had uh, an in, a really intense case of hiccups. Tell us about what happened with that. So he came to my office. He'd had hiccups for several weeks running, not stopping all night, all day, couldn't sleep, couldn't eat. Um, and he had been through at least seven or eight different medications, none of which worked. And so he came in and just said, what can you do? And I said, well, it looks like everything that I know to do has been done. Are you ready for something different? And so he said, well, yes. And I said, so what I'm going to do is just ask God's spirit to touch you and take the hiccups away. And I said, is that good with you? And he said, absolutely. I got to get rid of these hiccups was the answer. <laughs> so I just prayed a simple prayer. I said, Holy Spirit, come take these hiccups away in Jesus name. And nothing happened. And he walked out of my office. How did, how did that make you feel when nothing happened? At that moment in the past, I felt particularly deflated. Uh, in those moments, but I have come to realize that God works like in ways that I wouldn't think, and it's kind of reminded me like who's doing the work. So, so he came back that afternoon to deliver something, and I, I had left the office, and he was excited at the front desk, and he said, "Tell him the hiccups went away; they're gone." I went home, took a nap, and they're gone. So. So, um, you know, I know this is not something that you, you, this not, you don't pray for every patient that comes in. And, um, and then also this is not just something that, that happens for you just in the context of your practice. This is part of your, your everyday life. You've prayed for me in my home. You've prayed for people, you know, friends of yours. Um, how, how does the Holy Spirit function? This, the idea is that every follower of Jesus has been called to pray for the sick. That's for all of us, but also to be open and receptive 
to welcoming gifts of healing like happened with the case of, of uh, the, 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 the patient who had these chronic hiccups. How, how do you, how do you um, hear from the Lord and how do you respond? And are there times that you feel more eager and have greater faith than other times? So I would tell you that your experience with the Holy Spirit is going to be different because the Holy Spirit knows you. And so I can tell you what it feels like for me. And then you have to start exploring this and said, what do I feel in that moment? And what, what do I have faith to do? And so the feeling for me, like I said, it's a combination of seeing them having compassion, but realizing that I have nothing left. It's a feeling of, uh, kind of like, like the air getting sucked out of the room. It's like, I'm just overcome with compassion for them, but I have nothing to give. Um, in that moment, I then start saying, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? And, and how can I be part of that today? And so it's, it's different each time. You know, sometimes it's pray for them now. Sometimes it's um, ask them questions. Sometimes it's, you know, so you just start trying to t tap into what God's communicating to you through the Holy Spirit at that moment. Try to listen for that. What impressions do you get? What thoughts are running through your head at that moment? And try and try to follow it. Awesome. Yeah. Tim, thank you for sharing that blessings. That's an awesome story. Yeah, very cool. And and we we don't heal anybody, guys. We don't save anybody. We don't heal anybody. Only God heals. Only God saves. But He does invite us to be His faithful and compassionate conduits of His love. That's that's the assignment that He's given all of us. And we leave the results up to him. We don't, we don't get to dictate the results. Uh, and, and, and God's kingdom comes in powerful and miraculous ways, like the, the guy going home, taking a nap, and waking up and finding that the hiccups are all gone. Um, and, and, and sometimes uh, that's not the outcome. Uh, but we leave those results to God, but we want to be obedient to, to pray, to be faithful, to pray for the sick uh, as we encounter them. And you remember the, 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 the movie, The Sixth Sense, the little boy Cole from that movie, I See Dead People? Well, I see sick people, and you do too. And they're everywhere, aren't they? Uh, they're, they're, they're everywhere. And, and so often, I, I find that you know, when I and offer prayer for a, a sickness or, or an obvious infirmity, there's so much more openness than maybe, you know, can I pray for you about your spiritual condition? Uh, but that obvious need for prayer in terms of the body, uh, it, it's our responsibility as followers of Jesus, as Tim just said, to open our lives to the Holy Spirit, to trust him and honor him, and to receive his empowerment for whatever he wants to do. We don't get to dictate what that looks like. Now, I, I want to give you one way to be totally ineffective in the prayer uh, healing ministry. You, you ready for this? Uh, make it all about you. That's, that's a surefire way to be completely ineffective uh, in, in all the gifts of the Spirit, especially gifts of healing. Uh, ministry in the Spirit is, is withheld uh, from anyone who is arrogant or anyone who is preoccupied with self, uh, wanting to function out of the power of the flesh. And the call for all of us is to approach healing and all gifts of the Spirit with reverence and with sincere dependence on the Holy Spirit. Um, and prayer. Prayer is vital, is the vital link to, to maintaining that unity, that relationship, that intimacy with the Father. 
And, and, and we see it in Jesus' ministry. Jesus would go and he'd spend time alone praying to the Father. And then he would go and he would see what the, the Father was doing as the Holy Spirit showed him, gave him eyes to see and ears to hear. And that is the same template, the same model, the same pattern for us today. Out of the intimacy that he had in prayer and worship, talking to the Father, listening to the Father, he was able to discern what the Father was doing and able to, in that real-time relationship, ask, what does obedience look like in this moment? And that's the thing for us. Holy Spirit, what are you doing and what, what would you have me do in this moment to, to be an extension of your love, to be an extension of your kingdom power? And just as Jesus said in John, the Holy Spirit will teach us, he will remind us, he will speak the truth, and he will guide us into all truth. And we're going to continue our, our worship in just a moment. I, I want to say this, worship is a wonderful, it, it cultivates an atmosphere for healing. And, and I believe this morning, as I was praying and preparing this message this week, I believe that in our worship time, uh, God's going to come and do some healing, physical healing among us. So I just encourage you, as we welcome the presence of God, be open and responsive uh, to that. So everybody is called to do the ministry of Jesus. That's what our, our mission is, to love Jesus and do his ministry everywhere. And a big part of that ministry is praying for the sick, praying for healing. So let me give you some very basic uh, guidelines uh, this was what I, I referred to earlier, John Wimber, when he came to ORU back in 83, and my first exposure to him was the five-step prayer model, and I want to do a very brief overview of that. Uh, we often have uh, more extended courses and resources to further flesh this out for you, but I want to just go over this very quickly. Uh, the first step is just the interview. Hey, how can I pray for you? If you're in a situation where you're offering prayer, how can I pray for you right now? Uh, how can I pray for you? Where does it hurt? I mean, it's really simple. We call it the, the interview. And then the next thing is just to ask, you know, uh, sort of the diagnosis. Okay, we've listened to the person. They said, hey, I've got this, 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 this stomach issue that's just been going on for a long time. Okay, and we keep that uh, in our minds. And then we're simultaneously asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show me, you know, if there's anything else going on. And know that we hear in part and that we see in part and we want to do this in a way that is compassionate and loving and kind, uh, that is not in any way judgmental or condemning. That's not, that's not our mojo. That's not what we're about. And so we want to sense, you know, wh why does this person have this condition? What's going on? Are there any other factors that we need to, to take into play? Step three, the prayer selection. What kind of prayer is needed for this person? And as I mentioned before, sometimes Jesus would just say, you know, he'd rebuke a fever. And maybe if you're praying for someone's neck and they have chronic pain in their neck, maybe the Holy Spirit would just prompt you to say, you know, pain, go in Jesus' name. And maybe it's more about just, you know, uh, if there's a, a heart condition or whatever, the Holy Spirit leading you to guide you, praying for peace, praying for the shalom of God's kingdom to come, that comprehensive peace, uh, the kingdom of God that comes and sets what is wrong he sets it right, uh, understanding and just how am I supposed to pray for this person? And here's a big thing that we do in the vineyard and we want to encourage you to do. It's about 
listening to the Holy Spirit, but staying in tune with Him and being responsive to what He's doing. So we encourage you to pray with your eyes open. And I know that many of you are like, when I was kid, you know, I was a kid, my parents would, would, would get on to me if I were, you know, my eyes were open during prayer time. We want to release that right now and just free you from all of that. But the, the whole idea behind it is when you're praying for someone, you're able to physically observe maybe what the Holy Spirit's doing. We don't seek manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but sometimes the Holy Spirit, uh, just when uh, uh, human flesh encounters the power of God, there are physical manifestations that can happen. Sometimes it's weeping. Sometimes it's like a person is just washed in the peace of God. At other times, maybe someone trembles. At times, I've seen people's you know, eyelashes flutter like hummingbirds. I mean, you, couldn't, you could not physically make yourself do that. And, and, and a lot of times when we're praying something, and maybe we sense the Holy Spirit leading us to pray in a particular direction, and, and when we say a particular word and a person responds, it, it, sometimes that, that can be key to maybe an area that we're supposed to just pray into. But I encourage you. It, it, sometimes it's awkward, and sometimes it takes some getting used to. But I, I really want to encourage you, pray with your eyes open. The person receiving prayer, yeah, let them just close their eyes if they feel comfortable doing that. And, but you just monitor and observe what the Holy Spirit's doing. Um, and, and as you pray, um, you're talking to God, but you also want to continue a conversation with the person you're praying for. You know, what do you sense happening? Sometimes the person says, nothing. Oh, no, no, that, that's okay. You're not responsible for making something happen. That's not your responsibility or my responsibility, and that is not failure on your part or my part, okay? It's, it's Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come and do what you desire to do in this situation, in this circumstance. And, uh, and so, we, you know, sometimes we'll ask if a person's dealing with chronic pain, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, you've heard it before in your doctor's office, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you describe the pain, the level of pain? Well, it's an 8. Well, we're going to pray some. And you pray, and you sense, and they'll say, well, what do you feel? I feel some warmth. Uh, uh, and then, you know, um, how, how does the pain feel now? It's like, it feels more like a five. Okay, well, let's pray some more. And, and, uh, or if it's like, well, actually, the pain just went up when you started praying. So would you please stop? <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. Uh, but it, it's, it's continuing that conversation and, and, and just, you know, praying for as long as you feel like the person's open to receiving prayer and what the, the Holy Spirit's at work. Um, and then at the end, you know, what are, what are some next steps for this person? If they didn't um, get any relief, you know, to continue to pray some more, can we pray again at a different time? Or if they did get some relief, uh, maybe, you know, you're able to address maybe some spiritual issues going on, if there were any that were assigned or attached to that. And you can encourage them. Are you, you know, are you involved in a small group? Are you being discipled as a follower of Jesus? When we pray for a person's healing, um, here's something that's tantamount, okay? Our goal should be, our motivation should be that that person experiences the love of God in a very real and profound way, whether they are healed or not. We don't want to pray for someone and they're not healed and we start judging them or condemning them. That, that's been a model for healing in the body of Christ in some circles, and it's destructive and it's awful. 
don't go there. The person, uh, we, our prayer and our expectation, we believe and know that God, uh, he, he brings healing. He desires healing. It's his will. But what he chooses to do in a particular situation and circumstance is up to him. But we want the prayer time that we are able to engage with to produce a, a loving, compassionate experience for the person because it is all about God's love. And we're going to have an opportunity to pray in just a few minutes. But I, I want to leave with this. I talked about how Jesus prayed for the sick because he hated evil and the effects of evil. And I want to close with this today. And it's a simple truth, and it's this. God doesn't hate sinners. God doesn't hate sinners. You can quote me on that. God doesn't hate sinners, but God does hate what sin does to people he loves. He hates that. And for some of us who are ensconced in sin, the message for us has been that God hates me. And, and that's not the case at all. God loves you. He, he loves you. He has the best for you. He wants relationship with you. He doesn't hate you, but he does hate what sin does to you and to me, whether it's sins that we've committed or sins committed against us. 1 Peter 2 says this, He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. He bore our sins. The sinless Son of God came to earth. He lived a sinless, perfect life, yet he took on my sin and your sin and the sin of all humanity so that we could know eternal life in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't received his love, his salvation, his gift of salvation, it's a gift that you have to receive. And I want to invite you all to stand. And if you just bow your heads, I just want to lead you in a prayer this morning. If you're here, if you're joining us online, and you haven't prayed to receive Christ, you can do so right now. Just pray with me. Just something the, this, that expresses uh, these sentiments from your heart. God, I, I know that I am a sinner. I know that you love me. And I know that you gave your son for me. And Jesus, I receive your gift, what you accomplished on the cross for me. And I thank you that you took on my sins and the sins of the whole world. God, I receive your gift of salvation given to me in Christ. Jesus, I put my trust in you, and I thank you for being my Savior, and I invite you to be my Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill my life. Come and heal every broken place. Come and lead me. Come and guide me. Come and empower me to do the ministry of Jesus. Freely I have received, I want to freely give. In Jesus' name.